to the Be Glad Movement podcast. My name's Pollyanna and I'm on a mission to bring you as many stories as possible of good coming out of bad and reasons to be glad. Before I start jumping into the interview, I just wanted to ask you, how are you? How are you coping during these crazy COVID-19 days we're living through? Have you been struggling or is it a great opportunity for you to realise you need to make a change or two in your life? Please feel free to DM me on Instagram if you need any support or if you're finding silver linings all over the place I'd love you to tag me, tag my handle in your stories or posts so I can see what you've been up to and spread the positivity even further. Don't forget that it's totally okay to have down days, to feel sad and to cry when you need to Crying is the body's most natural way to let out stress and tension. What's not okay though is to suffer in silence and to not ask for help. There are so many people out there willing to help, a lot of whom have been in the same position. Reach out as soon as you can and if you're not sure where to start then please feel free to direct message me and I'll help you. Right, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, recorded back in 2018, I talk to Alan Clanens, the international speaker and high-end performance coach. Alan really is a bit of a jet-setting superstar in my eyes, so full of positivity and energy, but he wasn't always that way. He trained himself to be that way. In fact, At one point in his life, Alan suffered terribly with depression and post-traumatic stress from the conflict in Angola, which he had to take part in as part of his national service as a South African. Listen on to hear how Alan turned his life around and the book which got him started with that endeavour. Alan is joining us all the way from Bucharest, which I'm really, really excited about because he's such a phenomenal character. And the reason he always sticks in my mind is the first time that I met him, um, he told a really, really, well, scary and moving story. But he also had this strap line, which has stuck with me for a long time, which was, good morning, good morning. It's a wonderful day to be alive. And his zest for life is just unbelievable. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Alan. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here with you. It's great to be with you, yes. Thank you for for putting this time aside because I know how busy you are. You were speaking at a business conference yesterday and you've got two more talks lined up while you're in Bucharest, is that right? Yes, in Bucharest and Constanta on Sunday. And then I'm coming back here again next month and again in November for uh, a few more business conferences that I've got lined up, yeah. You are the uh, ultimate jet setter, definitely. <laughs> well, I'll try to keep up with it. some other people I know. <laughs> no, it's good fun. I'm very lucky. I get to travel around the world and it's fantastic. You know, it's really good. I, I, the best part about it is meeting so many amazing people, you know, just from different parts of the world and hearing about people's backgrounds and just, you know, people have got amazing stories, you know, wherever you go. Fantastic. And you've got your own amazing story because life wasn't always like that, was it? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't always like that. And um, it's been, yeah, life has changed a lot over the last 20 years, definitely. Uh, it's 30 years since I came to live in London. Uh, you know, when I left South Africa, 30, well, 28 years ago now. Yeah, 1990 I left. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a fascinating journey. Yeah, it's, uh, personal development has just um, changed my life, really. And speaking has, been a, has just been a fantastic blessing, you know, just taking me to um, amazing places. And I've met some amazing people, but it wasn't always like that. You're right. I had my own journey to, to, uh, to travel like we all do. 
and um, I had to put some of the things in my past uh, right and heal some of the, the experiences that I had, you know, heal my own trauma, etc. So it's been journey. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. Awesome. Why don't you? I'm gonna I'm gonna stand back because I know you you tell your story beautifully on stage. I'm gonna stand back and, and let you take us back to the beginning of your story and 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 tell us all about what happened. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, you know, I, you know, I, uh, I grew up in South Africa, uh, as, as I'm sure people who are listening can obviously tell by my accent, although I do often get asked if I'm from Australia and I always say, you know, Australian and South African accents are so different, but, uh, yeah, I grew up in South Africa. I grew up in a place called Durban on the East coast. And, um, you know, I had a, you know, South Africa was, it's a beautiful country, you know, and, um, but I suppose growing up at that time in the, in the, in the, 60, the late sixties and early seventies, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, it, uh, you, you didn't really, well, I certainly wasn't aware of um, the, what I was growing up in within the government, you know, in the political sort of environment until I came to live in England. But uh, growing up in Durban, I lived right next door to a police station for the first six years of my life. That was an interesting education because I used to look over into the police yard next door and see, you know, some terrible things, very brutal uh, activity taking place next door. And uh, I didn't tell anybody about that because I thought I'd get into trouble. But it was a fascinating experience and kind of like a um, very compelling to, to be, you know, when, you, when I heard what was happening next door, I was almost compelled to, to climb up on the wall and have a look at what was going on next door. And, um, and then when I was late, later on as a, as a teenager, you know, when I was 18, I was into the, went into the army uh, in between, you know, living next door to the police station and going into the army. I was obviously at boarding school as, um, and I went to two private schools. I wasn't academically minded in any way. Um, you know, I, did, I, I just did enough to get through, but it was when I went to the army that I had a very interesting experience because I was then trained in all kinds of different disciplines and then specifically trained with a patrol mortar and an RPG-7 rocket launcher. And then um, the last seven years, sorry, the last seven months of my two-year period, I was then sent into Angola during the heart of the civil war there and it was taking place there. Uh, we, South Africa was sent there uh, in, a, in a secret, well, under a covert operation really, uh, because we weren't allowed to be there. And um, we were 5,000 soldiers and um, it was up against um, forces that were Cuban led and Russian funded and Russian led with Russian artillery. And so it was a pretty hectic time, you know, and um, seven months of combat, uh, just about every other day and um, you know I lost a lot of friends and saw a lot of terrible things like horrific things and then also obviously had to do things that I never ever thought I would be doing um, and no no person should really well it's not in our inherent nature to you know to to take lives you know to take other people's lives but when you're in a war situation you're doing what you're trained to do and you you know you're protecting your buddies but when you come back from that that's when you start processing what you've been through you know and then that, um, that psychological impact, that, that emotional impact that it has, it's, uh, it's traumatic, you know, depending on what you've seen and done. And it affects people in different ways, you know. So uh, for me, it affected me in a way where I became very depressed and um, I was um, very anxious. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't realize at the time that I had post-traumatic stress. It only came uh, to light afterwards once I started to study about it and started researching about it. And then I was having nightmares and I had them for about seven years. And it was, a, it was a really tough time. And it, the first six months I got home um, after coming back from the military, you know, I was out, I was finished my two years. It was compulsory at the time. It was conscription. So there was no choice in the matter. 
And, um, and then the, that first six months I got home, I was processing what I'd been through, but I was really just trying not to have nightmares every night. So I started to, I proceeded to, to start drinking heavily. And then I was drinking myself uh, to sleep virtually. So I didn't have any nightmares. And that went on for about six months. And then uh, about six months, yeah, it was July of 1988 that I was then um, bumped into a good friend of mine who introduced me to the subject of personal development through a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. And uh, he had a library of books in his flat and uh, proceeded to read Think and Grow Rich under his recommendation. And then I started to read all the other books that he had there. And then it was about 18 months later that I got on an airplane and I arrived in London. And the very first book I bought in London was Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. Uh-huh. And uh, that was my first introduction to NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And I was fascinated by what I read in that book. It's still a brilliant book to this day. Uh, even more fascinating to think that Tony wrote that book in his very early 20s. And um, so it's, uh, you know, an amazing book. And uh, that was, as I said, my first introduction to NLP. I'd never heard of Neuro Linguistic Programming before. It was 1990. Uh, it was... Um, Although it had been around for a long time by that stage already, very few people had heard about it. Now most people know about it. Uh, but it was, um, yeah, it was a, a beginning of a great journey. And um, 1990, I've been here ever since, and I've, I've lived in several countries. I've uh, traveled around, done a lot of work on myself. You know, I've been reading and studying ever since. I can't believe it's actually July. I couldn't believe it was 30 years since I read that book, you know, wow. for the first time. Thinking about Rich 30 years ago. It's crazy how things have changed and where I've been and what I've done, et cetera, and, you know, what I've experienced. And it hasn't been all up. You know, it hasn't been all roses since then. It's been up and down as life is for everybody. We have to um, take the good with the bad and vice versa. Uh, but uh, what it's done for me is it's definitely helped me to negotiate challenges in a much more effective and elegant manner, you know, and to get the best out of whatever's happening. You know, I've really learned how to see the best in everything, and it's become a habit for me. Um, you know, when I first read Think and Grow Rich in July of 1988, uh, you know, feeling the way I was feeling then, and I was very angry and volatile and anxious and um, just very uncomfortable around people. Um, mm-hmm. So I locked myself away. But when I first read that book, and I came across that phrase in the book, which is a famous phrase that many people have, will recognize if they've read it. It says, uh, every adversity has within it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. And when I read that the first time, I thought, that's bull, right? I mean, how can I, I mean, I'm just fresh out of the military, fresh out of Angola, uh, just been on this operation where I've seen, done things, you know, that you see in movies. And um, I thought, how can that be beneficial, you know, to anybody? You know, where's the benefit in any kind of, in that kind of experience? You know, that, that, that's got to be, I mean, I, I refuse to believe that line you know so what i did was i wrote the line down i wrote that sentence down and i contemplated that sentence for a long time Uh, but now i can say you know um from what i've learned since then and the experiences i've had i can definitely say without any doubt whatsoever with absolute conviction that everything does benefit us you know everything but we have to be willing to see the benefit we have to be willing to look for it and it's not always obvious first time out you know it's not always obvious when you're looking for it initially but you have to be willing to believe that there is a benefit of some kind. And even though that benefit may show up several years later, there's always going to be some kind of benefit to a challenge or an adversity, whatever the adversity is, no matter how traumatic it is. And that's the same for every type of adversity. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great journey. You know? And I look back now and I think, well, I'm very glad for that experience uh, because had that not happened, then I wouldn't have 
I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. You know, in fact, I believe that I, I definitely would not be doing what I'm doing now. And I wouldn't have met the people that I've met, you know, over the last 30 years. I mean, just to give you an example, I've spoken right across Russia. And uh, what's fascinating is that three times on three separate individual um, uh, circumstances, sorry, three separate times at three separate events in three separate cities around Russia, I met three men who were actually in Angola in 1987 fighting against me. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so, um, and three of these three gentlemen were in my audiences, you know, in the audience while I was speaking at these different places. And uh, these three guys came up to me at these three separate events and said, Hey, listen, I'm so glad that I'm here today because uh, I was in Angola in 87 and I was on the opposite side, you know, and I'm so glad that you are, you, 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 are alive. You know, I'm so glad you're still here because uh, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to hear you. And, and what I said to them was able to help them to find some peace, you know, or, uh, get themselves closer to some, some sort of peace, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I can make something. I can play all tingles down. Yeah. Oh. It's amazing. Eh? It's unbelievable. And these three guys, um, I asked them if I could take a picture with them and they, 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 they were very reluctant. Um, one of them was a was an officer, a very high level officer, and um, and uh, but I, I, I um, what I said to them is I said, listen, this picture is just for me. You know what I mean? I won't put it anywhere. I won't post it anyway. So then they they said okay, um, but uh, yeah, just fascinating to 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 meet someone right uh, who thirty years ago was on the on the enemy forces that I was fighting at that time. You know. And now yeah. we can hug each other, you know, and we can embrace and we can say, thank God that that's over, you know? Amazing. Amazing. I love it. And so from reading that, fr that friend's book, Think and Grow Rich, to flying to England, and I know you decided you wanted to be a speaker. Obviously, you've got some great food for thought to give on the stage. So it has really helped you, hasn't it? Sort of, I say yeah. helped you. You, you mentioned earlier about helping you with decision making and things like that, but it's also given you a great topic of, of conversation and to connect with people. Uh, there's Absolutely. certainly the military community, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. It wasn't, only, it wasn't until about 1994 that I actually thought, well, I'd like to be on stage, you know, uh, as a facilitator or a speaker or whatever that looked like. At that time, it probably wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about becoming an international speaker. I was just thinking about. Um, I was really into, I was at the time I was going through landmark education. Um, and some people will be familiar with landmark and the landmark forum. And they, the landmark is a company that's been around for a very long time. They, they international organization and they, uh, they really, uh, they run all these workshops on, on helping people to be effective human beings and take responsibility for their lives. Uh, but, uh, in 94, I was going through landmark, um, the landmark forum and the, the, the facilitator at that time. Uh, fantastic guy, David, you are just an amazing guy. And, uh, you know, uh, he, when he was on stage facilitating the workshop, I thought, my gosh, you know, that's what I want to do. You know, uh, that looks so rewarding, so empowering, you know, helping people to, you know, gain new perspective and transform their, their perceptions about their lives, you know, and transform the way they, they experiencing life, you know, and, uh, that was the first time that kind of seed planted, you know, in my mind. And I thought, wow, that would be amazing. But it wasn't until 1999 that I actually stepped onto a stage for the first time and spoke to a large audience, you know, and, um, and then it was, uh, and it was 2000 when I gave my first paid talk. 
which you were, you could call a professional. Your first, my first professional talk where I was paid for for my speech, and then I thought, wow, this is awesome, you know. So now it's like you know, 2018, and that journey has taken me to some amazing places. You know, I've met some amazing people, and it's been really awesome. Fantastic, fantastic. It is awesome. I love that story, and I love that the the grit and determination, which was low when you first came out of the army. You know, it was low, and you had your time of kind of grieving I guess and going moving through that depression but you yes. still managed to pick yourself up you know that getting into the books learning about yourself and and bringing yourself up and now you're raising so many other people up as well which is phenomenal really well doing my best <laughs> doing my best to do that um but you know you 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 use the word there that I think is so important and I think um you know some I've worked with some military personnel. I've worked with police, um, and you know, I uh, recently spoke in Kiev, and I've uh, they've been invited. I've been invited back there next year to to do some work with the veterans there. And um, grieving is something that a lot of veterans they don't do. They don't allow themselves to grieve, you know. And it's a very important process. Um, but there's so much shame and guilt, you know, that uh, is associated with um, well, veterans. They experience a lot of shame and guilt when they come back from. Uh, places where they've been at war, you know, because they've, they've, you know, they've done things and they've seen things that, you know, nobody should really ever have to do or see. Um, and it's that, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, like you say, it's about, it's processing that emotion, you know, and allowing yourself to go through that and grieving for yourself and grieving for those people, grieving for the soldiers that have been killed, etc. cetera, um, and not bottling it up or suppressing it. You know, that's where the danger comes in is uh, when we suppress it, those kinds of emotions, because then they just, they, they, they take their toll on our bodies and our minds, you know, it's so, so badly. Totally agree. Totally agree. I know my project is all about finding stories of good coming out of bad. And some people misconstrue that I'm trying to say everyone should be happy all the time. But it's not about that. It's about allowing yourself to be sad and to move through those emotions. You can't deny your emotions. You have to let them come through and experience them and live them and and then start understanding yourself a bit more and then you can sort of look back and like you say you you wrote that sentence on a piece of paper and you it took you a while to digest mm. it get on board with it but in the end it, it did pay off for you so Alan, no, I, agree with you. I agree with you. you you can't be nobody can be glad all the time you know nobody can be happy all the time you know it's, it's but um but it is about learning to manage your emotions and feel them allow yourself to feel them completely you know, a lot of the time people don't like feeling certain, a certain, certain types of emotions. But um, when you resist anything, then it just persists, you know, and it just, it's always below the surface. And then it doesn't take much for people to just trigger, you know. And sometimes it takes, you know, it's that, that, that old saying, you know, the, the hair that breaks the camel's back, you know. And it just takes a small little thing for people to freak out because they've been bottling stuff up for so long. And it's like a volcano. But uh, if you allow yourself to really feel your emotions, you know, you can really just, then it, then it allows them to, to come to the surface and dissolve. And I think that's, you know, uh, I've met a lot of uh, soldiers, a lot of ex-military uh, personnel and veterans and that, and who, have, who haven't, you know, processed that stuff. For, and it's still there, you know, for them. And they, it's still, still hard for them to think about those times or to even talk about it in their families suffer because they don't communicate effectively etc and um and i think you know they asked i've been asked that question a lot you know how come you know you, you, you it hasn't affected you so badly and i said because I, I i think i did so much processing you know 
um, right through the 90s and I was doing so much work on myself. I did so much work around just allowing myself to heal and grieve and, and just uh, feel what I was feeling, you know, and, and just allowing it to, to release really um, and working my way through that emotion, you know. And so now, you know, it's, uh, it just means that now, you, you, you know, you can be, um, it allows you to free yourself up to be your authentic self really, you know. Otherwise, you, people, they, they find they have to be a certain way. You know, because they're trying to prevent people from seeing what's on the inside or they're trying to protect people from what's inside them, right? Um, yeah. Or even protect themselves from what's inside them rather than just allowing themselves to work through it and let it go. Sure, sure. And I imagine it's a continuing process as well. Some of these things, you, you work through the main bulk of it to live a sort of more normal, normal life, but they'll keep coming up for you at different different trigger points will will bring these emotions back every now and again mm -hmm. so you have to keep practicing it right absolutely absolutely yeah and you keep having the same the same stuff comes around and around again until you get the lesson you know until you uh, until you're willing to be with it you know um is that it's that that phrase that i said earlier you know what you resist persists you know if you keep resisting it, it keeps persisting so you just got to be with it to allow it to dissolve, to dissolve so uh, and that same stuff will show up time and time and time again until you're ready to have that lesson I know I've said this before, but I really do love listening back to these original episodes. There are so many great reminders in there. If you're wondering, they're all available on YouTube already. If you want to go and get stuck into the YouTube channel, it's youtube.com uh, YouTube forward slash be glad. Um, they're all there. So go and have a look and uh, dig in. Um, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be re-listening to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's such a great book and don't be put off by the title because there are some really great lessons in there. Even, you, even if you have absolutely no desire whatsoever to be financially rich. If you like this interview, then please do like and share it with anyone who you feel may benefit from hearing it. As always, the conversation continues over on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, so please feel free to leave a comment there. As always, I'm looking for new people to interview, so please do get in touch if you know anyone who may be willing to share their story, or if you have one of your own, I'd love to hear from you. Be Glad Movement podcast is free to listen to, but if you did want to help me support the, support the Samaritans and raise some money for them and their invaluable work, then please do head over to beglad.co.uk and find the link to donate to my Just Giving page. Anything that you can donate would be so gratefully received because I really do think the Samaritans do amazing work. With so much love, you've been listening to Alan Cleanans, Pollyanna and the Be Glad movement. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.